0: To the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons, this is the evening service of Sunday, the twenty fourth of March, two thousand and thirteen, entitled "And They Wish for the Day." And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter twenty seven, verses one to forty four. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Would like to be opening your Bibles this evening to the Book of Acts, Acts chapter twenty seven taking our reading, a story that probably will be familiar to uh, to all of you from reading the scriptures, and uh, of course, uh, this is the point where that the Apostle Paul is being sent back to Rome as a uh, prisoner, and uh, uh, on their way, they, they get into a tremendous storm on the sea there, and just a, just a couple of simple thoughts from this that I think that uh, we can take and apply very practically in other parts of our lives. Uh, Let's begin with just the uh, the reading uh, from uh, chapter 27. I'm going to read the entire chapter, uh, verses 1 through 44, and then we'll come back and and look at a few things in there. Acts chapter 27 beginning in verse 1, if you want to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of Adorimithium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And When he had launched from thence, we sailed unto Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. When we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Acritus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. And hardly passing it, came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lassia. Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because The fast was now already passed. Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Because the haven was not commodious to winter in, The more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind, Called Euryclidon. When the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not to have loosed from creed, and to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night has come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, sounded and found it twenty fathoms. When they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms, then, fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, "Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved." Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. While the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. When he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. When he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship two hundred threescore and sixteen souls. When they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they knew not the land. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship when they had taken up the anchors they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore, falling into a place where two seas met. they ran the ship aground, and the fore-part struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. The soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. The rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped, all safe, the land. Father, we thank you this evening as we have your word before us. We pray, Lord, that you could at- take this account that you, the Lord, under inspiration, have recorded for us in your word. Father, we know that it's been given to us for, uh, for good purpose, Lord, and we just pray that you would help us this evening in looking at it, that we might gain that which you would have us to have this evening. We will give you the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. There's a number of interesting aspects to to this whole uh, account here. Um, We certainly see throughout it the great sovereignty of God. When God has a purpose in something, even when men... now, You know, the Apostle Paul tried to give them warning before they set out that uh, this was a dangerous time and they shouldn't do it, but they chose to believe the captain of the ship rather than Paul, and they set out anyway. And so really God was there giving them the warning before they got into this situation, uh, but they chose not to listen. But it's interesting as they, as they set sail and they went out and they began to find themselves in, in problems and in trouble with the, uh, uh, with the storms and the seas and everything that, uh, that was there. Uh, and we find that they were fighting this and they even literally came to a point to where they just gave up all hope, they'd lost any hope of being able to be saved from this storm whatsoever. And now, again, this is real account. I don't know how, how many of you might have ever been caught in a storm on the sea, uh, but, uh, you know, for me it doesn't take much once I get outside of land. Uh, I love the water, I love the ocean, I love boats, but I like to keep the land inside as well. Uh, and uh, and I know that once, once uh, you know, I've, I've gone deep sea fishing a few times, and I, and I love it. Uh, but I know that once I get outside of that land, it doesn't take a whole lot of tossing, uh, till I start tossing inside, uh, and it's, and it's, you know, kind of turning green and all these different things that, that come along with it. Uh, I can't comprehend. I can't imagine even, uh, uh, when I've seen, uh, movies and pictures of, of these ships that are at sea that are just fighting those forces because the forces are so great. But, but these men were there. They were in the midst of the seas. There was, there was no land in sight. Uh, they'd gone for days without seeing the sun, without seeing any stars, and they literally had given up hope. They did everything they could. They uh, they began to lighten the ship and toss things over so that uh, naturally it would it would ride higher in the water. So they they started getting out of excesses again. We can we can learn from all these things, and we could look at the points that could be taught to us there. But we find that even after that, they had done those things that. Uh, Uh, They came to a point to where that uh, they were very, very fearful. But remember, they had gone contrary to the warnings that God had given to them. But God still had a purpose. In this case, he had a specific purpose, we know, for the Apostle Paul. And the fact was that Paul was going to make it to Rome, and he was going to stand before Caesar. So the angel of the Lord came to Paul and he encouraged paul and he gave paul this confidence and again you know there's much that we could see there from the the confidence that one can have in the midst of a completely hopeless situation when maybe he has tried to uh, to encourage people to follow the lord and yet he's on his own and, and 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 they're all going a different way and yet he knows god's hand is still upon his life he knows god has a purpose and god comes to to paul and he gives him this confidence paul not a person on this ship is going to die. Now the ship itself is going to be destroyed. <laughs> you're going to lose the ship, but you're not going to lose any people. And Paul begins to try to encourage the others and share with the others uh, what the Lord has shared with him to try to uh, to encourage them. And we find that uh, even though God's going to save them, uh, that they are going to end up on this island that's not where they're planning on going on the way. Uh, and of course we find that uh, they do get there and we see the 14 days of fasting. We see the, uh, the ship then when they head out, we see the ship being caught in this place of, of torrential waters where it says that the two seas come, come together and the ship literally being ripped in half. Well, at that point you still got these that were in charge of the prisoners that want to just take the prisoners' lives because they're afraid that they might actually be set free. They'd rather kill them. Than them to possibly escape, but we find that the centurion there, that was in charge, he knew that Paul needed to survive. Uh, he knew that Paul was the only one that had any confidence in all of this, and so to save Paul, he told them no, not to kill any of the prisoners. And we find that they immediately did away with the uh, uh, with the other with the other boat. Uh, we find that uh, they all were able to get into the seas and swim to dry land. And just as God had promised the apostle Paul in this impossible situation, not a one of them was harmed. Now, I want us to go back and, and and just give you a few thoughts out of all of this. Wonderful story. So many things we could look at there. Uh, but notice back what it said there in verse 29. It says, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished... For the day. Joseph Parker wrote these words. He said there is a stopping place in all processes. The agriculturalist can only sow the grain. He cannot make it grow. He can only wish for the day. Who can accelerate the rotation of the earth? Some things cannot be hastened by man. Who can hasten the seasons? We long for the spring. We might especially do that today. We long for the spring, but we cannot quicken her steps. Thus, we come to stopping points. It's these stopping points, these points, this is where that basically in our account here in our text, we find that they had done everything that they could do. Now, Paul had a confidence in the promises of God. How could he be so sure that they were going to be safe, that none of them were going to die because God had promised them that specifically in our lives today? God has promised us so many things. Promises specifically in his word that just as sure as he made that promise to Paul there that he was not only going to be saved, but all those men were going to be saved, we can count on those even when we can't see the reality of it. Even when it seems there's no way in the world if God promised it, then we can count on it. That's why I said when we were singing some of those hymns earlier about victory in Jesus and, 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 and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ that, that, you know, the simple truth is there comes these points, these points of commitment, if you would, when all you can do is trust Him. They are commitment points. They are stopping points. They're when you've gone as far as you can go and you've got nothing else to do except trust God. And that's where they were in this situation, this this terrible situation in the natural sense where there looked to be no hope. They'd given up hope. But he had the promise of God. And it was that promise of God that gave him courage. And it was that promise of God that gave him the confidence to to know that everything was going to be all right because God had said so. We come to many points like that in our lives. And sometimes there are points that we just have to stop Committed to Him. We've maybe done everything that we can, but yet it still seems like such a, a challenging, a desperate situation that we might find ourselves in. I want to give you three simple stopping points that all of us face. But what I want you to realize is we look at these three things and applying the same principle that we find here in the Scripture the confidence that Paul had, the courage that Paul had, it was found in the promise of God. He came to a point when all they could do was either trust that promise or nothing. They couldn't do anything else physically themselves. And I would say to you that there is this stopping point, this committing point, if you would, for each and every one of us as Christians in our salvation. You see, so many times I, I would be the first to admit that our churches are filled with a lot of religious people today that have deceived selves that they've got a dose of religion. They may be sincere and genuine in a lot of the things they do, but they've never been born again. But there's also a lot of Christians in churches that have been born again that go through struggling that are never effective for the Lord, That are never really used of the Lord because of their own struggles they have in themselves, because of getting to this point where they just have to completely Trust God with their salvation. Some of you know. Years of being raised in a Christian home and making a profession of faith as a as as, as a as a 11 year old boy, coming to a point later in my life when that uh, uh, when that there came a point when I truly had to to make a choice and turn my life around after turning my back on God. But yet, there were years after that, even after call into the ministry, when there were times when I would really struggle with that thing because. Sometimes I just didn't feel saved. <laughs> I never had a desire not to be saved. never had a desire to, to go away from God again. I had done that, and that was the last thing in the world that I ever wanted to go again. I did not want to go to that place again of being a child of God that had gone away from his father. But the simple truth is, is that there was a real battle, a storm that raged just as real as this one that Paul and these other prisoners and these guards found themselves here in this ship, but it was within me, this battle that was taking place. I shared with some of you, really, it came to one of these stopping points in my life after preaching in a church in South Carolina one night, after seeing others be saved in that service and me going back and and here's the devil pouncing me with this thing of my own salvation. And there came a stopping point when I had to pull the car over beside the road and you see... The simple truth is, is that when a person has repented of their sin, when a person has put their total, complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his finished work, as him as their only savior, as him to be Lord of their life, there's nothing else we can do. It seems that to the natural man sometimes that we've got to do something else. There's something else that we, that we should be doing in this. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God doesn't do halfway work. God doesn't do something and start something and then give up on you partway through because you end up being a, a tougher case than he thought that you were going to be. That same Paul. Yeah, the same one that was in this storm here that we're reading about. He's also the, the one that wrote to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. you see it's the Lord is the one he's promised he's promised to finish that which he's begun he's promised to keep us against that day. What day is he talking about here? I believe the blessed resurrection day that we'll be celebrating next Sunday, that day when either the trumpet sounds and the Lord comes to call us out of this place and meet him in the air, or that day when he raises us from that grave just as Jesus Christ was risen one day. He's promised to finish his work and to keep us to that day. You see, the simple truth is beside that road that night, Brother Steve, I had to come to a stopping point, to a point when I was willing to truly, genuinely, Commit it all to the Lord. You know, what I had to come to realize that evening beside that road was there was nothing else I could do. I knew my heart. I knew this wasn't some mental ascent with me. I knew. I was there. I could never forget. You see, I could remember when I committed my life to the Lord. I don't remember the words, but I sure remember what my heart was crying out. I know that everything within me wanted to be forgiven. And I knew the only only hope for that forgiveness was because of what Jesus did, because I knew how vile that I could be. That night was a stopping point in my life. It was a point of commitment it was a point to where that the, never, the devil has never been able to beat up on me that again because I knew one thing, that according to the promises of God, either God's promises were true, I knew that I was born again, I knew that my sins were forgiven because I knew in my heart that I trusted and believed in Jesus Christ and I sought forgiveness in the only way that I could. And if that wasn't enough, then I'd split hell wide open because there was no hope anyway. If God's promises weren't sufficient, nothing was sufficient. The devil's never been able to beat me up with that again. (laughs) Oh, he attacks all of us in lots of different ways. But I'm saying to you, just as the apostle Paul had that confidence in the midst of that storm and that confidence was based upon the promise of God that you and I, if we genuinely in our lives, if we never come to that stopping point that we truly Commit it all. Some people, that seems to happen the first time they do it, and they never have a struggle with it. For others, the devil fights them with it. I'm saying to you that here they had to wish for the day. What did that mean? I mean, they'd done everything they could. All they had to do now was just just wish for the day. Lord, let the day come so this can be over and completed, because I can't do anything else. I can't. I can't do anything except trust in you. You see, there has to come that day, this point, this stopping point, this committing point in our salvation, either the moment that we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, or if the devil's been fighting and beating you there, trust the promise of God. You better know. You see, that's why when somebody's struggling with their salvation, Brother Steve, I can't tell them that they're saved or not saved. I can see what they're doing on the outside. I can have my own opinion as to whether I think that they're living the kind of life that a Christian ought to be living, but I don't know their heart. There's only one thing I can ever do with an individual like that, and that's to take them back as if they'd never been saved and show them in the Word of God exactly what God says is required and what God promises if we do that for someone to be born again. We can't cut any corners. There's only one path. We said this morning there's only that one pathway to grace, and that's that thing called faith. Faith. Trusting in God's Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith in what Jesus Christ did, because that's what God's Word always points us to Jesus Christ and His finished work. So, as Christians, sometimes if we're in that storm tossed sea, we're struggling might be with our own salvation. And I'm saying we need to do just as the Apostle Paul did in the midst of this storm on this sea. We need to trust in the promise of God. If your salvation is based on not what you did, not some religious thing that you went through, not some prayer that you prayed, you know, the simple truth is it's with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's got to come from within. You and you alone know in your heart, in your heart of hearts, that you've recognized your sinfulness, that you've gone to God and sought that forgiveness based solely upon what Jesus did. You can't do enough Christian things, you can't read enough scripture, you can't do enough things in the church, you can't do anything. To the point that you've done everything that you can and you can only trust what he's done and his promises, then you can rest on that rock and you can know. There's another point in our Christian lives. You know, once we are saved, our Christian life only begins. And we find that it's compared. Again, I I, I know that it's debatable, but... Uh, mm, I believe the book of Hebrews was probably written by the Apostle Paul as well. Uh, we don't know that with absolute certainty, but whether it was or not, it was written by God, amen. And uh, we find this in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, because the Apostle Paul was one that often used athletics to get across spiritual points. And he uses this, this, this idea that we are in a race as Christians, and we should be running to win. We should be running for the finish line. We should have our, our goal upon that. We don't just, just go through life taking what comes along. We've got a goal that we're racing for. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Is that not what they had to do in the boat? <laughs> they got rid of all that excess weight so that they could ride higher in the sea. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, we do need to commit our lives to the Lord. And as we commit our lives to the Lord, we find here that, man, there's some things we need to get rid of. Just as they did in that boat, they had to get rid of that excess weight. I don't know how many of you have ever watched these world-class athletes on a race, but you've probably never seen one of them run with a backpack on their back, have you? <laughs> You never seen one get out there and run with suitcases on his side. Matter of fact, sometimes I wish they'd put on a bit more clothes, but they strip down to the point of where there's absolutely nothing more there than absolutely is essential to try to cover what little bit of modesty they've got so that when they're running, there is no extra weight. There's nothing except them against the elements. The Apostle Paul is talking about this race that we're running. We don't want to get out there and run this race with backpacks on with these weights that are weighting us down, that's making it harder for us, we need to get rid of those things. But the thing is, is that when we've gotten rid of those weights, when we've gotten rid of those sins, we've confessed them. You know, the Bible tells us if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know, the simple truth is, is that there comes a stopping point where the, we've got to trust the Lord. His strength. Oh, he's the greatest coach in the world. <laughs> he's the greatest trainer in the world. He'll get us in shape. You know, most coaches can only tell you how to do it, but he not only tells you how to do it, but then he'll give you the strength to be able to do it. In writing to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, 9 and 10 says... Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, listen, we may be accepted of Him. We do it that we might be accepted of Him, not because we can be accepted by the world, or accepted by some church, or accepted by our friends, or even accepted by the rest of the congregation. We do it that we might be accepted of Jesus Christ Himself. Why? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You see, one of our main goals in everything that we do should be to please him. I was talking to or about, or about a situation earlier in the week And you know, the the simple truth is that many times as Christians, we can be guilty of just trying to get by, of just trying to do what's essential so that we don't feel too guilty, uh, so that we know that we're doing something. Whereas the Bible tells us that whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you're doing, I don't care whether it's going to school or whether it's working a job. I don't care whether it's, you know, anything that we're doing out there during the week and keeping up the homes or doing these things. Whatever we're doing, we should do it even when that, oh, that irritating boss, that one that never understands anything, the one that no matter how hard you work or what you do, they're always complaining, they're always, you know, wanting more. You do it as if he were the Lord Jesus Christ. You do it for the lord we owe our very best everything we do as christians nobody can expect more than your best and when you've given your best you have nothing to be ashamed of the simple truth is if we're doing if we're doing our best We're running a race as Christians. Yes, there comes this stopping point, this commitment point in our lives where if we're ever going to be secure in our salvation, we've done everything that we can. All we can do is commit it to him and commit it to his promise, just as Paul did on that sea. And then in our Christian walk, that race that we're running in this life, yes, we want to commit. Yes, we want to get rid of the weights. We want to do those things, but there comes a point, a stopping point, a commitment point, if you will, when we've done all that we can. It's up to him. We stand up on his promise. He's going to get us through. He's the one that's going to get us there in the end. And everything that we do, we're doing it to please him, not to impress man. We're doing it to please the Lord. He doesn't need impressing, by the way. He knows you inside and out. You can't impress him anyway, neither can I. But we can please him. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to to teach us here. You see, in all of our lives, there's these stopping points. And all we can do is wait for tomorrow. We come to where we've done everything we can. Now we just got to wait. The simple truth is, is that in our salvation, in our Christian walk, in our Christian race, We need to come to those points to where we honestly, genuinely have all the confidence and all the courage that we need to get through that storm, even when we don't seem to be succeeding, when it seems like that nothing that we've done has made enough difference. When we see, we just feel like maybe there's no hope at all. We just have to commit it to him and his promise. Paul told the men, hey, we're going to be okay. Because God's promised it. That's all we need. God's made a promise. Then I want to give you one other simple thought in, in closing here. And I know that uh, I guess I look around this evening that this will be more pertinent to some than to others. But I guess in, in thinking as a, as a parent, you know, one of the hardest things for us Christians or non-Christians, one of the hardest things for parents to do is to come to that stopping point, that committing point. where Maybe we've done everything we could, or maybe we couldn't, but in the end, we can only trust our children to the Lord. You know, that was, that was a point God had to bring me to in my ministry, to bring me to this fine country of yours. It's a point that we struggle with many, many times, because we said this morning, when we heard Alex's testimony, just before that he followed the Lord in believers' baptism, we heard his testimony being raised in a Christian home, parents that that had taught him the word of God, that had taken him to church regularly. Those things, even from a young age, they had an impression upon him that didn't guarantee that he would become a Christian one day. We find that there's that wonderful verse in Scripture that says, in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is pertinent to parents. But may I say here this evening, whether you have children of your own or not, this is a promise of God that says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. May I say to you, as parents, that is a tremendous responsibility and it's a great promise. But to each of us, even with the children that God entrusts us with in the Sunday school, and the children's church and the Bible clubs and all these things, sometimes they're not getting that training at home. They need to be given the word of God right here. Every opportunity that we have, we need to take that and we need to show them that we love them and we need to take the word of God and try to get as much into them as we possibly can. No, we can't guarantee that they will be Christians one day. But the truth is, when those truths of God's word are put into them, they can never get away from that. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Those truths can't be taken away. He'll have to wrestle with them, or she. When those things come up in their lives, they have to make choices. If the truth of God's word has been put there in their lives, and those things can't be taken away. They will have to make their own choices you know that there's no indication whatsoever in the Word of God that when we read the story of the prodigal son, we don't see anywhere in that story where that it was the father's fault, that the father had specifically done anything wrong. We find that certainly when we look back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve were there in the garden. You know, the only two people that ever lived on the face of the earth that had a perfect father, boy, most of us mess up royally, they had a perfect father. He never one time messed up. They're the only two people that ever lived on the face of the earth that lived in a perfect environment. We're just sitting around the dinner table today and we were talking with Shelley about the environments of a lot of those children that that she works with day by day by day, the kind of environments that they live in and that they come from, and they just so desperately need somebody to care, so desperately need somebody to love them. Well, The simple truth is, is yes, we need to give them that love, but we need to show them a love that's beyond that, the love of Jesus Christ. You see, Adam and Eve chose to sin. Our children can choose sin. They can choose the flesh. But let us not be guilty of not training them in the way that they should go. Let us not be guilty of not giving them the truths of God, the principles of God that are laid down in their lives. We find that Isaiah spoke these words in Isaiah 34, 16. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read, no one of these shall fail. What a promise. God's word cannot fail. Life is full of storms. The thing is, is that many times we may think we're in one of those safe havens. Things might seem pretty peaceful. But just as sure as we set sail, we get caught in a storm of some kind. And there's just some wonderful principles in this truth. And the greatest principle of all is that what the Apostle Paul had to count on. What gave him his courage. What gave him his confidence was the promise of God. We have the promises of God. They apply to us. When we're in that storm, remember his word. It can't fail. The simple truth is other people's lives around are affected. Would God have saved the lives of all those other prisoners in the midst of that storm? Had the apostle Paul not been there in the midst of them with a purpose for his life? I don't know. God doesn't tell us if he had a purpose for any of their lives or not, but I know that because God had a purpose for his, there was one on that boat that belonged to the Lord and God had a purpose and God made him a promise and God could not fail in that promise. And if you belong to God, I can't tell you what God may do to the lost people around you. They may be blessed when you're blessed. But the simple truth is God's made you promises as his child. You belong to him. You can live on those promises. And it doesn't matter how big those waves get. It doesn't matter how hard the storm breaks. It doesn't matter if he breaks the boat half in two that you're sailing on. It doesn't matter You're trusting in him. Trust in his promise. You know, that's that's hard for me to comprehend. (laughs) To have that much courage, that much confidence. When the the seas are so bad that the boat's been broken in half, he knew he was safe because God had promised him that he was. Those are the promises that we have this evening. We can stand on those promises. We can live on those promises. And the storms will come. There are storms in life. But we can sail through those storms. You may be in the midst of a storm right now. But if you belong to the Lord, take confidence in his promises. Take courage in his promises. Or you can count on him. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. He can never, ever, ever fail. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord. We know that... Lord, as we look at this account, there's so many spiritual truths that can be applied there, but Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening, Lord, just to think upon this idea. They come to the point to where all they could do was stop and wait for tomorrow. They couldn't do anything but trust you if they were going to be there for the next day or not. They'd done all they could do. Lord, so many times in our lives, we're so busy trying to do things ourselves and we just need to stop and commit it to you. It might be our salvation. It might be this, this race that we're, that we're running in in this life. It might be our children or the children that you've entrusted to us, Lord, the great responsibilities and privileges that come with that. Lord, it can be anything in our lives. We know the storms come. Oh, but help us. Help us, as the songwriter says, just in the midst of those storms, turn our eyes upon Jesus, to look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.